You're listening to Fly By Night, a podcast by FedEx Pilots for FedEx Pilots. Brought to you by the FedEx Master Executive Council of the Airline Pilots Association. And now, here's your host, MEC Communications Chair, Captain Chris Lee. My guests today are R&I Committee Chair, Captain Kevin Biggins, and R&I Committee Vice Chair, First Officer Ben Monshore. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks, Chris, for having us. Yeah, thanks, Chris. This podcast will be a continuation of our podcast TA series and will focus on some ancillary items in Section 28 retirement. We all know a major goal of the new agreement was to improve the DB plan, but ALPA was able to make improvements in Section 28 outside of the DB plan. Could you explain what some of those were? Yeah, sure. So as you stated, the main goal of this contract cycle was to get an improvement to our pension plan. Alongside that, there are other items we wish to improve as well that we refer to as ancillary. Uh, we negotiated these items, and they are going to be in the new contract. We had a list of our items that we thought were important to our pod groups, and we negotiated and advocated for those at the table. Alongside that, the company had their list as well. At the end of all of our negotiating and passing back and forth, we did come to an agreement in these ancillary items, and we're going to discuss them further in this podcast today. Well, Ben, can you talk to the pilot some about what Alpo was able to accomplish here? Yeah, sure, Chris. Some items we're able to achieve were changes to the PRSP investment lineup, as well as some of the brokered account, the retiree distributions from the PRSP, some pension plan beneficiary protections, as well as protections for the end of career sick leave and advance notice of planned retirement bonus. Yeah, that's right, Ben. So, uh, and the biggest change here, the one I want to lead off with is the changes to our investment fund lineup or the core fund lineup. And just to review, under the current contractual language, uh, the company may unilaterally add any funds to our core fund lineup, but needs ALPA's approval to remove any fund. And while having this language does have its benefits, it does create a fiduciary issue for the company by not allowing them to remove any underperforming or underutilized funds without ALPA's approval. Yeah, Kevin, while the company's initial position was for ALPA to provide FedEx complete control over investment fund lineup, we didn't see this as being the best interest of our pilots. So after many passes back and forth, we eventually agreed to language that met both parties' concerns. So the solution we've come up with is to provide contractual language that maintains the safeguards uh, to keep our most popular funds in the core fund lineup. So think of PrimeCap, for example. Uh, while at the same time providing an easier pathway for the company to exercise their fiduciary duty to the PRSB, our 401k. With the new agreement, ALPA has maintained the requirement for the company to get ALPA's approval to remove any fund that has more than 2% of total plan assets in the PRSP. While at the same time, it gives them new latitude to remove any fund that has 2% or less of total plan assets without ALPA's approval. Yeah, another change to the investment fund lineup is the addition of white label funds. Yeah, that's right. So uh, for those that aren't familiar with the white label concept, just a quick brief overview of what, what it is. It's an investment structure built using a mix of underlying funds that will provide a simple but rich multi-manager exposure to an asset class. These are generically named funds that are branded by their asset class or objective rather than reference to a particular brand fund that you might have heard of, say, BlackRock, for example. And since this concept will be new to many of our pilots, we've only agreed to add two white-label funds to the fund lineup. In the future, if the company wants to add another white-label fund, they will need our approval. That's right, Ben. That's an important concept here because we want to make sure that uh, we are not overwhelming our pilots with a bunch of new fund and fund types 
that they are not familiar with. So this part of the agreement is very important that we have control on how many white label funds they can add without our approval. And that number, as you said, is two. The brokerage account option was added in the 2015 CBA. What changes have been made to the brokerage account with this new agreement? Yeah, that's right, Chris. So in 2015, pilots have the option, not obligated, but they have the option to invest in the brokerage account through Fidelity. There are no restrictions currently on the percentage or the amount of assets a pilot may allocate from their PRSP into the brokerage account. That's worked out pretty well, but over time, there's been some issues that we've experienced with that, particularly when a pilot has a negative balance adjustment from a previous month. So think of somebody that dropped a bunch of trips and didn't make them up. They have a negative balance of money that went in that needs to be reconciled. That process can currently be cumbersome if that pilot has all of their assets in the brokerage account. So to resolve this issue, we've agreed to limit the amount that a pilot is able to invest in their brokerage account to 98% of an individual pilot's assets. This percentage, 98, is higher than Fidelity's best practice guidelines of 95% and also higher than the company's initial proposal. Yeah, we initially discussed setting a minimum dollar amount to maintain the investment lineup, but Fidelity does not currently have that capability. In the future, if Fidelity has a capability to set a minimum amount to maintain the core fund lineup, this provision will be changed to require a minimum of $10,000 in the core fund lineup, and the remaining funds can then be in the brokerage. Were there any changes regarding the PRSP distribution for retirees? Yeah, Chris. With the new agreement, retirees receiving a partial lump sum or a periodic distribution can elect which source or subaccount the distribution is made from. Previously, they could only choose a distribution allocation from the investment funds. This will provide more flexibility for the retirees that are remaining in the PRSP to take distributions in the most tax-efficient manner. As for our married pilots, this will also give an option to take distributions without a spousal waiver, such as required with the money purchase pension account. Yeah, and uh, one more thing about the PRSP, if I could. Uh, One of our goals during this cycle of negotiations was to create an option for our pilots to contribute a specific dollar amount into the PRSP instead of just percentages, which is the way it is currently. The idea here is to allow our pilots to invest more of their money to get closer to the IRS maximum uh, amounts every year, the IRS limits, without inadvertently losing out on company non-elective contributions. So think the 9% that we all get. In digging through this in the negotiating cycle, Alba became aware of the fact that having a specific dollar contribution is incompatible with our auto-enrollment feature that we have, which is done in whole percentage only. Because of that, we are not able to have this option available. Once we had this information and we discussed it with the company, they are willing to help us communicate all these limits and how they interplay with the various accounts that we have and investment options we have inside the PRSP. And they've agreed to help us communicate that to our pilot group every year. Alpa does currently provide a communication that is distributed in the first quarter to the pilots. The company communications will be sent out in the second and third quarter. These company communications will be a nice complement to our communication about the IRS limits that are updated annually. Yeah, that's right, because the, the one that Alpa puts out is in the winter or around the first quarter. So we'll have that one, and then the company will have two of their own that will work nicely uh, later in the year. Switching gears here now a little bit, could you explain any ancillary changes to our legacy pension plan? 
Sure, Chris. With the 2015 CBA, we added protection for the pilot's beneficiary in the month of retirement. In the new agreement, we have extended this protection through six months following the pilot's retirement date. To be exact, the first day of any of the six months following his retirement. So now, if a pilot makes a valid election to commence retirement benefits, but fails to survive until the benefit commencement date, the benefit shall commence in the form elected by the pilot as long as the benefit commencement is within the first of the following six months from the date of retirement. Right. So let me put an example to make this a little more clear. So let's say we have a pilot who is retiring on December 31st, 2023. In the current provision, if that pilot makes a valid election leading up to his or her retirement date, but passes away prior to retiring, that selection that he or she made would be considered valid. So if they chose 100% joint and survivor, their beneficiary would get 100% joint and survivor. That's the current process. And with the new agreement, there's some protection in place for those pilots that might be deferring their pension. For this example, the pilot retires on the same date, 12-31-23, and defers commencing a pension benefit. In April of 2024, the pilot submits a valid election to commence their pension benefit on June 1st of 2024 with a payment option of 100% joint and survivor. The pilot dies on May 15th of 2024, but the pension plan benefit shall commence in the form elected by the pilot, the 100% joint and survivor. And we think this has value added to our pilots because we've essentially taken a protection available only in the month you retire and extended that for six additional months. Kevin, earlier in the podcast, Ben mentioned a change to the retirement bonus. Talk to the pilots some about that change. Since the implementation of the bonus, there have been, unfortunately, a couple of our pilots who have submitted proper notice for this bonus, but then passed away before their retirement date. Under our current contract, there is no bonus available in this unfortunate scenario for their beneficiaries. Under the new agreement, if a pilot has given a valid notice of retirement, but unfortunately dies after the submission of this notice, uh, the bonus will then be paid out to the pilot's estate. Well, thanks again for coming. Any final thoughts? Yeah, so this has been an overview of some of the major changes in the ancillary space for our retirement section. There's going to be a complete list available on our website in the, in the TA. And we just encourage if there are any questions or, or comments about any of these changes to please reach out to the office, give us a call or send us a dart, and we'd be happy to discuss these further and answer any questions you have at that time. Thanks for listening to this episode of our TA podcast series on the ancillary items for Section 28, Retirement. If you have any questions, please go to our website, fdx.alpa.org, and utilize the DART link. And as always, be safe out there, and we'll see you next time.